So hi guys, um, welcome to episode 14. Today we are going to talk about how Android is made uh, and true to how we do things, we are going to start with a little introduction about operating systems how they, and how they work a little bit under the hood and then we will build up on top of that and um, talk about uh, talk about Android specifics. Does that sound uh, right, Tantina? Perfect, that's how it is. Okay. Then maybe shall I just launch into the part that I was planning to say? Super. Okay. So when uh, getting ready for this talk, now I am not an expert on Android by any means. Anjani is the expert. So I wanted to talk about a little bit about how did Android, how did we came into Android and what were the, the history. Uh, and then I started thinking about all these old operating systems like Symbian which was running on uh, Nokia phones. And before that, all these uh, feature phones had like a single monolithic OS where the phone dialer, the part that spoke to uh, the hardware, the drivers, uh, the screen display, everything was a single monolithic uh, binary, right? And I thought maybe I'll explain it that way. And while I was having this thought, uh, I was walking by my washing machine. So this is one of these newfangled washing machines for some weird reason. It has a operating system and it also has a Wi-Fi connection. It can actually go on the internet, this washing machine. So then I thought, oh, maybe, maybe we can start by thinking about earliest washing machines and how we can explain what an operating system is. An operating system is basically any program that controls a machine. Um, so if you think about operating, uh, sorry, uh, washing machines from about 40 years ago, they were purely mechanical. You had an electrical switch, you switch it on, that connects a wire, which goes to like um, motors and various things. And you have a mechanical timer with this small ticks type thing. You can turn it, it's spring-loaded and it slowly turns tick, 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 tick. And the, at the end of it, power gets cut off. So that's like a mechanical program. Uh, the next generation of washing machines had electronics. So you'd have the transistors, relays, whatever. And the timer is also a dial. And it has a sort of electronic ticker and some sort of counter that counts the ticks and says when it reaches this number, uh, switch off the motor uh, and also the motor speed is also controlled by some sort of controller microcontroller or, yes. or CPU or what level. Yes. and that's all hardwired uh, but I was thinking then for the sake of argument only let's say you as a mere manufacturer of washing machines wanted to release a hackable washing machine uh, by that I mean the user can augment its features, change the programming. Maybe uh, he wants to have like a one cycle, a spin cycle, then another some sort of cycle, various weird things, right? Or they want to install a new uh, sensor for the water pressure. Because if the water pressure is too low, you, you, the, your water supply is unreliable, you shouldn't load the soap into the, into the, the clothes because if water is not enough, suddenly your water, the washing is uh, soaked in soap for a long time. So maybe that is not there and uh, maybe the user wants to hack it and get it working that way. So if you want to do that, you can't have like a hardwired electronics. You need to have a software which can be overwritten. So let's say again, say for the sake of arguments, let's say that comes as a flash memory in the, in the washing machine and maybe it's a removable USB stick. Uh, and then you wanted to say something? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think just to, just to break that part now, um, we're talking about uh, 
operating system not only operating system there we are talking about the extensibility as right like as and when when there are new uh, uh, components being added to that oh. uh, new sensors how do we control from the from the main oh. but that's actually that the purpose of an operating system right because remember before bill gates wrote dos uh computers were like appliances it had the set program it had a set keyboard it had a set monitor and you could only use it you can't extend anything that's right actually Generally, yeah yeah actually i remember back then when uh, first ibm computer came out it was a big deal because this concept of expansion slots it was huge like the idea one of the key key marketing uh, yeah yeah points as well. and now we have come full circle and now everything is again inside a box that you can't even open i don't know how many of these guys can uh, yeah yeah do you remember the time like when we used to go shopping to unity plaza get a sound card get like a new vga card plug it in new hard disk those are the days yeah i think it's it's still on like uh, people who do uh, gaming they do their own bills yeah Yeah. they buy stuff put it in and then uh, give it a try Mm. anyway and now it's super easy super easy Yeah. yeah So coming back to this, let's say hackable washing machine. It has a memory, and since it doesn't have a keyboard or display, you have to tape pull the plug, uh, put it into a computer, and you program it. Um, now programs may be something like this. Um, it can control the motor. Maybe uh, think of it as you you have a bunch of instructions. Maybe instruction zero zero one is turn on motor. Zero zero two is turn off motor. and there may be another instruction to control this uh, seven segment led displays which can show the digits so you can say turn on and you can say upper upper top top segment left segment upper left segment lower that's a number seven so you can do all those things and then turn on the water pump turn off the water pump turn on the valve turn off the valve so that's all of those actions are all of those are mapped to instructions instructions which is a number assembly world right yeah right so you can think Indirectly of that directly you are treating assembly now right kind of so so it's easy right. to think of it that way so 1 2 right. 3 4 5 6 those things are basically the instruction set of the washing machine um and then you also need sensors and actuators uh, inputs and outputs so you need the way to uh, check the water level in the drum so that may be uh, that may be you have a address in the system called address 001 is connected to um, say valve status whether you can read whether the water valve is on or not address 002 gives you an integer back which tells you what the water level is so your operating system you, sorry not the operating system that the program that controls your washing machine is basically simply a program that reads these inputs the sensor inputs including the user turned the position of the dial um the position of the 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 switch on switch uh, water level these things and sends on the other hand to from the other end sends outputs into the pump the valves the motors right so that is the program uh so that's the operating system uh, right there which can control your although although it is both an operating system and the program you remember right. back in the day when uh, when like programs like wordstar existed i think this was the way it works so the entire program itself unlike 
today when uh, Microsoft Word runs on Windows, old-fashioned uh, uh, word processors have the disk IOs display everything built into it. So the, the word processor knew how to write pixels into the screen. It knew how to read from disk. It knew, knew how to read the scan codes from the keyboard. So the distinction between the operating system and the program was not there. Um, so that's where this washing machine is also right now. Um, so what we would do is, we'll just pull out the USB, open up a manual which tells you what are the instructions, and we'll write a simple uh, program as a bunch of bytes. And you have to have a place to store it as well, right? Because uh, there's a concept of bootstrap. I think a lot of you have heard the word boot, but many of you may not know that comes from the term bootstrap. The bootstrap idea is, bootstrap is like a human being, if you pull yourself up from your bootstrap, you can't lift yourself into the air, no? That doesn't work. So the, the idea here is, so if the operating system is the one that is controlling the hard disk, reading from the hard disk, but if your operating system is also in the hard disk, then who's reading the operating system? Yes. So you need someone, someone else, else to. So that is the to bias do that for you. Simple as that. Yes. That's the bias. That is the bias, <laughs> and bias is usually built into like either it's ROM or either it's flash ROM. It's built in, given by the manufacturer. So what this ROM does is, after some basic checks to see like. Is the is like the motor there? Is the sensor there? Is this thing there? Is this thing there? After that, what checksum, is checksum. That's yeah. called checksum. Yes. Power on self test post. Right. Does post. that, and the next what it does is it locks for a specific place in your memory to start reading the operating system from. So no, in the normal like old-fashioned spinning hard disks, this was the boot sector was cylinder zero, sector zero, head zero. So that's where it always looks. And that, that part is and called the bootloader. If it's not there, and if it's not there, we, we all know infamous message. <laughs> yeah, the most scary message because then you know the hard disk is screwed. <laughs> bootloader not found. Bootloader not found. Moment you see that, you know you have screwed up the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's the worst message you can. Cool. So that's how it starts. And then yeah, I would take that uh, thing. What I would do is I will take this uh, last bit. Uh, what I would take is I will buy this uh, water water level sense water pressure sensor, put it into the washing machine in the right place in the pipes, plug it into the address. Let's say address 008 is free for sensors. Say 001 I said was like drum water level. 002 I said was like um, uh, timer like that. Maybe 008 is free. There's a pin free in the chip. So you connect that to this uh, uh, this. Uh, water pressure sensor for the inlet and then you know um, you can program it you can have a program in the program there may be an instruction saying read me the current value of this given address so if you say read me the current value of address 001 it will just give you the water pressure in the drum like washing machine drum now if you say read me the value of address 008 now that it's connected to the water pressure, the pipe water pressure, it will give you that. Now you can use it in the program. And you can write an if statement using assembly, of course. If water pressure is less than, say, 3, then uh, put some value in the 7-segment display to say it's an error and hold. Stop the, stop the motor. 
so that's how don't it go works. further than uh, yes that's it i think that's a that that's a nice explanation however that went into very detail level instead of using the words like variable yes to use registers read in the pin value so if you are like a arduino level programmer you kind of know pin value is you know 1 or 0 or, or something in between Uh, in analog terms or in digital terms it's either one or zero but if it's analog you can get a variation between that okay <clears throat> now even though that sounds uh, very low level it, it's so simple you you have a way of capturing the input and you get uh, make a decision and uh, build the intelligence to your uh, operating system uh Shall I jump into the next part where yes, we talk about cool okay <clears throat> now uh you know the world's po- most popular operating system is android early 2000 uh, actually 2008 was the google android before that it was owned by another company so all those stuff you can just search it up you can learn history you know it's quite uh, nice and it's working uh, with so many different variations of hardware So what I thought was before I go deep into Android uh, internals, I'll talk about what most of us are familiar with, which is the the developer perspective of Android. What as a developer, what you see, because the whole idea of studying internals or to understand how Android is made is to become a better Android developer, or become a uh, system designer who can design something on Android, who can work. in a ecosystem where android devices are involved so first you need to so i'll be start with the developer perspective and then some of the words and terms that comes up which are quite related to operating system and then we go down into operating system well, you you find it easy to digest easy to understand as to why certain things are done that way now uh, if you download android and try to do something you get few things in your download so you naturally it has uh, sdk that's the development kit which you can code in java in the sdk itself you have a apk builder to generate the android apk that's what you say and something called dx command called dx which converts your java into dex code and a adb which is the android bridge uh, when you have an android device and your computer which is when you code your ide if you want to make a connection and look at the logs and stuff you have that android bridge which comes with the sdk and so many other utilities in the sdk and then you need a emulator uh, arm or arm based emulator arm is a type of processor we will uh, the most popular arm is i think the apple uh, m1 silicon which is based on arm uh, most pop, uh, most known thing about arm is you don't have a which, which is fanless you don't need to cool that processor uh, cpu and in the android you have a ndk called native development kit like if you want to do stuff on uh, c++ instead of building things on java you can use that and then a android studio which is the ide that that's pretty much what you get and then you can start building now for you to start building application you need to understand certain components what i'll do is i'll try to quickly go through these components and try to explain that in a way that if you are trying to build the application how you how these components are used in android world how much ever the language and the framework and the the development is complicated 
you have only four types of components to build your application right if you want to build a ui something visible to the user you have to build it that to build that by inheriting something called activity so activity is the class that gives you that ui part and if you need something to happen in the background like uh, <coughs> read something get something done uh, the way to implement those are is using something called service in java so you have the activities which are ui elements then you have services and then uh, when you say component. ui element are you talking about buttons and input but uh, input boxes or no no okay when i when i when i say uh, ui uh, the activity is a full screen what you see so a group of ui elements a group of uh, buttons text boxes layouts and stuff will create the activity so let's say this uh, in in clubhouse this uh, view we are looking at which is the the chat window which has the icons and the stuff that is like the uh, leave and the, the whole button that's one a, activity that's one activity okay. the whole thing whole screen what you see is one activity right and uh, when it comes to ui components i think i have a, another point on that we'll we'll touch up on that part so so you have then you have the background uh, demons which are the services we want to get stuff something done the other two things are content providers and broadcast receivers the content provider is simply a interface to a database like if you try to read uh contacts from the con- contacts app you you would go through a content provider if you save uh, the application can save information which is very specific to the app but your android app if it needs to re- uh, read data from any other app it has to go through a content provider the content has to be provided the, the interface has to be provided by the other application so that's so in a normal operating system what does this translate to is it so fi- file file system si- not really in a normal operating system your application does not run in a sandbox so here a content provider is a sort of exit from your sandbox for you to go to another applications data and to get yes eventually it's at the file level it could be at the file level so the, it's, the it's a, it's a way to read the device's persistent storage it's a way to de- read, read the persistent storage but you have to design your application in a in a such a way that you you allow other people to read it through oh. a interface only if you have a content provider defined the other people can read it otherwise it becomes part of your sandbox so when you say other people can read it so i'm asking this because i'm not an android person so let's say you have in a desktop you have a word document you save the word document it's in the file it's in the operating system as a file um so there is no concept of other applications reading this really unless it's like another word word type document so how how does this work in android so whether whether uh, the the way uh, i think we have to when you go into details we talk about the sigurd and all that then things becomes much clearer think of it as every android app is by default in a in a sandbox and it has no hardware access by default you can't talk to hardware by default this is just like the the the, the v8 uh, engine that we talked about in a previous episode right ah uh, no right very very similar very similar the 
the only time you give permission only time you can exit the sandbox is through permission which we, we would come to that permissions and to understand the android permissions you need to understand linux permission so i would even go into that level to explain that permission model so at at uh, that, that's this is another thing most of the uh, android developers get mixed up why can't i access something why do i have to use so many classes and stuff to do a simple thing you know that's to provide that security because apps are developed by third parties and you always give them a private space you don't want to install an app by some app developer and lose all your information if that application developer could access everything app, app, if let's say you install app it says uh, free music and you run it that application would access your photos folder take all the photos upload it somewhere do you like that no you so that's that's where the default sandboxing comes uh, and if if your content needs to be accessed by other applications that happens via a very clearly defined uh, the word interface is not perfect though but by 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 a mechanism called content provider if there is no content provided built you can't access other people other applications data simple as that mm-hmm. then comes the broadcast receivers now your application is in a sandbox but however your application needs to know certain things that happens in the operating system for instance i would my application needs to know whether the network connectivity is on or off whether i am in wifi or not whether my battery is dying or not this happens at the operating system level right your application is in a sandbox operating system keep broadcasting these information to any app that is running and if you have implemented the broadcast receiver someone brought the os broadcast or anyone broadcast and you are listening to that and those uh, receiving channels are important to you like most of the time you don't need to receive uh, receive all the uh, all the information let's say you if you are particular about your gps uh, changes uh, the wifi on off uh, battery level you listen to that how that happens it's actually a linux uh, so it, it happens with with the linux operating system which is behind the android which is actually those are actually interrupt handlers so the operating system keeps throwing those at the app and if the app is willing to capture that and react to that that's that's how you do it so those are the four things you have in any uh, as an android developer that's all you get you have to build anything based on that then uh, then comes the other concept of android called the intent so if Wait, you have so, to so go, oh, let, sorry, let go me ahead. see let me see if i can wrap my head around it so parts the parts that you mentioned right now are activities are co creating like screen type elements like screens That's that right. do something and yes. then content providers are the way for you to access the permanent storage of the device and also make your data available to other apps with the exception way. if it's your private data you can do that without a content provider right which right but anything that you plan to share or you're trying to access other other apps data you go through a content provider right and the third one you said this is broadcast receivers 
so where i come from these are just event listener type things so the event listeners so pure the, event listeners the the system triggers events like oh battery level now at 15% or critical level and your app needs to do something about it then uh, or Absolutely. like like That's in right. this this uh, this clubhouse when the when the the signal level the wifi signal level or the bandwidth level goes below a certain level it tells you that the, that the connection is uh, uh, no, no, maybe something a, like that's that. a broadcast yes that's a broadcast receiver and the app can do something about it okay okay so those three got it and the uh, services are also clear the ah. background demon okay okay can you give an example uh, of a background demon i don't know whether you gave one and i missed it so uh, there are multiple ways to uh, go into that one is you can think of it as anything that you deviate from your main thread by building a thread uh if that requires something to run for a slightly longer period of time you can put that into a, a service and then access it is it something like say an ongoing download or um i don't know yes it could be ongoing download it could be a data sync that you want to do in the background uh, uh ah yes i'll ask the, can... i'll ask it this way so if i try to do a net, long net big network upload without using a service will it actually hang the ui is that how it works if you put it in a thread it will not but uh, depending on the activity if you switch the activities only the service can survive once you switch the activity if you are moving away from your activity and if you still need something done you have to do it in a background the service all oh, right right so if i if i try to run a Uh, some sort of upload inside an activity the moment it goes into the best, background best example is best best example is playing music ah right got it while while you do your you uh, application if you need a background music to be played ideal way to do is uh, do it with the service got it so i got those four activities so service activities are for ui elements services are for background demons Content providers are for persistent storage access, and broadcast receivers are for receiving OS level interrupts. Got event it. listeners, event listeners. Okay. Right. The OS level event listeners can be. Right. Then comes uh, the intent, which is uh, because the activities are independent, and there is no Java main method in Android. Now this is something right. that has puzzled me for a long time. Where is the main? because i'm not a right. mo- there's mobile no main person <laughs> there's no main method it can be it can be a background that gets triggered at that point it can be a activity so and from this activity what would be the next activity so because all that is not uh, hardwired you have a from the from the android level parallel to your components there's a service provider called intent where you can call from uh, from one activity you can call another activity so for if you want to start another activity there is a intent call start activity and you create the the next activity that you want to go and pass that as a object start activity method and if you want to uh, start so who a service calls the, who this, calls the first activity who calls the okay first activity is that is right next in our point there is something called manifest file 
right so the manifest file is a xml file that defines when you launch the application what's your uh, entry point to the app okay so that entry point is what we call the home activity or it can be a, your splash screen and it brings you something and after that everything is based on the events and the button clicks and everything else so is it like so, so when you on the splash screen you have a you have a button called uh, sign in and when i press sign in button it launches a sign in activity is that how it works yes so you have to create the intent first ah sorry sorry calls. sorry there's a sign in intent and the intent runs and which creates a sign in page activity that's right how you call that is you simply call uh, start uh, start activity and pass that uh, intent object so you can basically say intent uh, x or y or whatever object name equals new intent and and the object mm-hmm. so i think i i jumped one step on the manifest of coming back uh so intent is this that's the scenario of intent and the the next most important thing as a android developer for you to understand is the component life cycle now this is very very confusing at first time but once you understand this you become better at it the what you need to understand here unlike building a desktop application the operating system is very nosy it does lot of stuff to the application it tries to start the application it try to stop it it tries to kill it depending on situation now we need to understand this why would an operating system try to kill application now again this is a linux type of understanding now in linux if your app, if the apps are taking much if apps are consuming cpu and ram continuously there is a uh, another process that kicks off and it kills some of the activities and so uh, makes the operating system responsive quite similar concept uh, given the mobile devices have limited uh, power ram cpu the operating system decides to kill things stop things and start thing when things are required and we'll talk about the, there's a lru least used uh, algorithm also used I'll, i'll come to that but from a developer point of view anything that you do needs to be part of the <coughs> life cycle and this life cycle what we call the callbacks are triggered by the android operating system itself so you have to simply write this like if you are building a app if you are building any component like best example is most of when you are building activity component which has six callback which has six empty methods that you need to write code and most of the developers go crazy when they see that why would i have to write six methods like <clears throat> on create on start on resume i think there's post stop and destroy so if you try to say, take an example like this uh, from from my angle all i want to do is to display a login prompt with like a username mm-hmm. password and a button now normally if it's in the html world or like the visual c world i know how to do this but here where do you start like where do you start writing the code because there's no main now yes now the let's say some 
the start activity method was called and the intent was passed as the the new uh, new activity which is your uh, login and then comes the on create method so on create method you have to have content where how do you create your activity mm-hmm. uh, and then you create it then for gets the on start method uh, call at the at the end of on start you basically have the ui rendered which is ready so if i want to check at the login prompt first do a quick check to see whether there is connectivity to the server or not where do i put that i think you put it on the on start right once it started not 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 on the create create is at the rendering stage and then you have on resume and on post now what happens is while you are at it let's say your user who's on the mobile phone switches the app now when you say so switches the app from your app to maybe he or she wants to check email mm-hmm. i'm just creating a story so that you can understand right then the operating system might call you on post or it might call you on stop or on destroy anything can happen based on the ram you have based on the condition that's where you sort of have all the methods ready uh, and it's so if on post is called your intent goes to post mode and when they call when the operating system triggers on resume you resume back so at the resume if you want to do some stuff to be ready you call that so without going much details into this at a very high level you anything that you build has your activity uh, it has to have uh, six life cycle callbacks and most android developers have seen that if you try to write android dev this is the first thing you see you know instead of a main method of the activity these events so that that's that's why the biggest operating system is putting his hand into application that's where you have to be ready with these methods that that most of the android developers understand that later in their part but once they understand you know they do do a much better job so your your app crashes most of app crashes are related to the way you look at the life cycle and of course memory handling and things like that but uh, once you understand life cycle better you become better at uh, reducing the crashes then in the android world you have a manifest file xml file which talks about here are the components and this is how how the components react to the system and more importantly here are the permission needed for the app to break the sandbox and go to the os level and that's all in the xml that's called uh, i think it's called uh, application manifest file mm, application dash manifest file uh, can't exactly remember but something similar at the at the so uh, root level you find that file cool then so we talked about the components intent component life cycle and the manifest file which is a developer experience another thing that you need to understand to understand android better is the process and the thread in uh, just like in uh, unix world in android your app is a single process all your activities services content providers process all those 
अंजना Hey, sorry. I guess just got a call. I have ah, to okay. uh, start uh, recording again. I think I dropped it. Cool. <laughs> uh, okay. Process and threats, right? You you hear me well? Ah, uh, yeah, I can hear you. Cool. Okay. Uh, Is this should should we like see if people have questions or should we complete this part and then go to questions? I think I'll complete. I'll take two minutes to complete the process thread and the interprocess part, and then we open for questions. Okay. Because then comes the framework part. So the process and threads, like in Linux, everything uh, in the Unix world where everything. Like app, when you run an application, it's a process. So your Android app is a single process with a single thread by default. The process has all the Java classes loaded, which is required to run it. The thread is called main thread, which is where your activity is initially. So as a Java developer, you know if you have a button, when you click a button, if you call a network or whatever, you would spawn a new thread, what we call a helper thread or a Worker thread to do that, you wouldn't do anything other than um, main functions in the main thread. You, you don't do stuff on the main thread. You keep that for the the main UI and the main application. Uh, threads are simple. Uh, I mean, uh, regular Java thread objects. If you know Java threads in Android, it's the same. Uh, by default, the newer Android versions. This is something I found when I was looking at the Android uh, new API now. Now it has uh, thread helpers like uh, there's a handler for network and uh, file operation. There's a looper uh, thread if you do extensive operations in a loop. Those are provided by the framework itself. So process and thread is something that you need to understand to to do to be a better at it to better programmer. On on Android world. The last things because we talked about processes. Every app runs in a single process, and there are multiple apps running at the same time, multi-process. And app runs in a sand sandbox. Now, if you need communication between process, you have to go through what we call a inter-process communication. So your inter-process communication or the IPC is built. Or provided by RPC, remote procedure calls. Can you give an example of like a requirement for an interprocess? Now again, I am going back to like desktop and server applications, so I can't envision a scenario where two processes need to directly okay. talk to each other. Okay. Well, let, let's let's say in your application you have a button called uh, compose email. Hmm. When you click the compose email, you need to open the uh, operating system's default email client. Is it a simple and case of just like my application invoking the email client, or can I just also say invoke specific functions inside the email client, like compose a new email, send a new email, check email? You can you can do the second thing as well. Right. That's there's a way to do that in your payload, but the the basic to keep the keep the whole thing in simple terms, we would say you have to jump your sandbox. Go to the OS. May why say, why aren't normal desktop operating systems done this way? Huh? So if I want to send like a if I see on a, a different application, if I say an email address in desktop, I have to copy and paste that and open the open the email client. No, you have to you have to rely on the clipboard. You have to rely. 
no you you there is uh, now for instance uh, if you want to in the well the de- uh, in the desktop so okay in the web in the browser desktop. you can do no not not in the web browser i'm saying in the desktop oh, okay, okay no yeah, when you say uh, they don't I, take I, I, on first, like the different desktop applications don't take advantage of the fact that there are other applications running on the same desktop which can do things for you we and yes and also the the stock caps i think if you use win uh, windows api if you are on windows where there's something called win32 api which can do that stuff which understands what's in the os level and uh, you can do stuff but not uh, not other stuff C- no. like for example now i have slack installed and then i also have say um, what else let's say i have zoom installed now zoom can't really access anything from slack unless you have a plugin or something but in the android world you can actually say share from share this on slack and uh, it can it can pass on some data into slack right can do yes. you can do this interprocess communication that you talked about <coughs> multiple ways to do it i think one is uh, interprocess one is uh, you can also do through your content providers if the content providers are allowed it that way mm-hmm. uh, so maybe that's one of the reasons oh. why uh, sorry sorry to like go on a tangent but i'm no, no, wondering no, no. okay that's a good maybe, point though maybe that's one of the reasons why all these uh, even google and apple are thinking of like building the operating systems to be more like uh, more like android and ios now <laughs> kind of but let's 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 come to the uh, real restrictions and the real fun part and how how uh, a small device with limited memory limited ram uh app can do can run games word excel and all the stuff that you can do it in your os yes how has it enabled it right so so the rpc is done a mechanism called binder mechanism there is a project called open binder you can you know if you are interested you can go into that part but that that simply that binder is the underneath uh, solution for you to do rpc i think that's those 1 2 3 4 5 are the first things as a android developer what you would see what you would uh, experience let's uh, take bunch of questions and then i will jump into uh, android framework and then the most important part after the android framework is the architecture mm, so we are open for questions see someone hi hi angela how's it going hi mai so yeah so in in the uh, android so is there a like a default vm inbuilt to the os or uh, can we have like multiple vms like multiple versions of vm jvms like uh, we are we can choose Oh, is it a one JVM just running along with the OS? It's the so when we come to uh, the word JVM is also not correct in the Android world because the oh. JVM works on the on the bytecode. Uh, yeah. What you have is a VM, the which is the the newer version is uh, the Android runtime is also part of that. So what who loads that is someone some 
a process called Saigot. We will okay. uh, we will get to that. And yes, it's one one. Uh, all okay. the applications run inside that. So they rather they that share the same. They share the same virtual machine, right? They share the same virtual machine. Same one VM, one VM, and that's shared. And that's uh, done by what you call Saigot. Oh, 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 thanks. Cool. And uh, during the uh, architecture, I'll, I'll explain that in a bit of detail. Oh, oh. And this is a series. I don't know whether I, even uh, we are 43 minutes down, I don't know whether I can go into all of these uh, in this session, but there will be a continued, uh, continuation with all that information. Okay. Cool. Okay, Manish. Thanks. We have uh, ABC. Hi, Anjana. I'm, I'm a sort of an Android developer, a new one. So I have right. seen hi. this. Uh, there are uh, applications with uh, multiple processors. So uh, can can you give me an example? Why would an application need multiple processors, uh, like like multiple processors, rather than running on multiple threads, right? Uh, can, can, can we get an example like that? Okay, okay. All right. Now that's a... That goes even uh, deep down than the uh, the Android, which is the uh, which we need to talk about the embedded Linux, the Linux part of it. Uh, now, generally, in the uh, CPU world or the operating system level, you have looked it at as uh, like a one one CPU runs uh, one uh, one operating system like uh, like a view. But if you take a operating most of the operating systems today, they can run in multiple CPUs. So that that feature is uh, actually abstracted to Android, which is the multiple cores are used by the Linux kernel itself. The the new modern kernels, modern Linux uh, versions, uh, Unix versions you have supports that. So which decides what can be parallelized and how to do those things in parallel and that work gets done at that level. Uh, did that answer your question? So that those cores are actually used by the underneath Unix Linux operating system, not by Android. Uh, right, right. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure that I got the full idea, but... Uh... Okay. Yeah. So think. Uh, let's let's take the Android part out. If for an operating system mm -hmm. uh, to be able to use multiple CPUs, multiple cores, mm -hmm. the operating system should support that. That support comes from Linux because Android is built on top of Linux, on top of Unix kernel. So that's right. where it tackles the multi-core, multi-CPU functionality. On uh, on Android, uh, Anjana, do you, at any given time, do you have more than one operating system process running other than, say, uh, so I think you're going to get into Zygote next, but the, yes, except for the I running process? Yes, when we get into Zygote, that will be, will be, uh, that will be much clearer. Okay. Cool. Uh, any more questions before we jump into the... Uh, Onto the framework stuff. I and have then, one. I have one question. Oh wait, Kulin, do you go first? Okay. Uh, so this is like kind of piggybacking on uh, 
Hasita's question on what, why do uh, like desktop applications don't do this like payload sharing kind of a thing, like where you can share to another app and like the answer you gave and like what I understood was happening. So uh, even with, like, let's say inter-app sharing on Android. So let's say I have Slack running on my uh, mobile and I want to share some of it to like another process, like another app. I still have to write like some code to like call uh, Android OS API and pass this payload over, right? Like it's not like natively built into the app automatically. You have to actually like let's say if I'm uh, passing images between WhatsApp and uh, Telegram or like anything, uh, Instagram or whatever, like. The app developer still has to write that code where it calls that like some like a shareable API call and then pass that payload and like pass that action ID or whatever as well, right? Is that right? So two ways to do it. One is uh, if you think your content to be shared by other applications, you go through a uh, content provider and you define that content content provider in your app and that can be accessed by the other app with that uh, information, with, uh, with the knowledge of the con how to use the content provider. That's one way to go about it. The other one is uh, between uh, uh, RPC, between the processes, the communication framework is provided, but you're right. What goes on the payload, how you uh, deal with that payload is something you need to implement. But it, what it provides is the facility to jump your sandbox, move out of your process, go above, above and beyond your process to another process. So it's like a road between two things. But right. You definitely need a vehicle to put stuff and take it there and load, unload. All that needs to happen. That's application specific. Right. Okay. So hence my second question. So I was going to, I was like, uh, sending messages on back channel to Hasit asking like wouldn't that then be similar to uh, like so Hasit was mentioning that like uh, on his example his desktop slack application requires a, a like a specific plugin if you want to integrate it with like another app right uh, so isn't it kind of similar that like what whatever that custom code you write is similar but the major difference which is actually the like the business differentiator for me is that uh, when you write that Slack plugin on desktop, you are writing it for a very specific application. So like Slack to Teams or Slack to Telegram or something like that. Whereas if you are doing it on Android, you are actually like you are just putting it onto the like to take your analogy, you are just putting it onto the OS route, and then like anyone who's listening to that route along the way, they can pick it up. That's the difference. It, is that uh, yes, that's the difference. Only only change, I would say, it's not anyone. It's targeted at a, another process because it's inter-process. It's pro process A to B. But it can be oh, any so process, right? Because I have seen like... It can be any process. It can be any process, yes. But it's not a broadcast. It's not like a... Right. But it's targeted. Yes. In that, in that analogy, it's very uh, very similar to that. Because the anything that you want to do out of your process to another process is via IPC. 
that's how the the protocol is defined thanks and that was like quite useful thanks oh, thank all right okay uh uh one, one more question anjana uh are broadcast considered as uh, ipc uh well broadcast are mainly for you to do, when i interrupt hand uh, the best example for a broadcast is a uh, ipc so sorry uh, uh, interrupt handler like to get a interrupt but uh, on on there are certain cases some of the broadcast are wrapped around ipc as well but in general the in general the broadcast is used for os to process not process to process because if you look at most of the broadcast in uh, interfaces that comes from the os level not from another process but there can be situations where that is triggered from another process as well if the os honors that that they would broadcast it it's not for me it's not ipc it's not inter process but it's from os to a uh, process that is probably the uh, differentiator there Uh, so uh, for a while what i have been doing is uh, when communicating between services and my app right between a service and my activity i have used broadcast so so uh, you are telling that it it is sort of a bad between, practice between a sorry sorry come again just give me an example what, what did you do there uh, now now let's think now uh, i am running a background uh, you know sort of a polling mechanism right every 10 seconds i send a request to the server and mm-hmm. get the response and if there's if there are any changes i communicate it i have to communicate it to the activity right what i do is I, I, when i get the response i check whether there are any changes and publish a broadcast right and oh, i have okay okay so you do uh, you do pubs up within the app as well yeah yeah so i have a broadcast list broadcast listener on the activity and you, you and pu- then publish one of your application level uh, uh, events to the broadcast which is yeah 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 okay okay so, so is, you are is it a bad practice so uh, i think which is okay i i don't know whether uh, from a performance point of view whether it's a overkill it sounds like a uh, overkill but it Mm-hmm. uh there's no harm as well because uh, if you need sort of uh, interrupt if you need sort of listeners that's one way to go about it or i would if i am to implement that what i would do is in my activity i would create a, a thread which can listen which can react and use that thread simple as that like a work address uh, so how would you publish that information from the service so the service can be the because it's your own application the mm-hmm. that can be written to your sql id db or you can uh, capture it in the application in the same uh, heap and the same application context you mean in the same uh, so memory you would, you would in the same memory but then uh, how about the concurrency issues and since it's a separate thread so your thread is no what do you mean concurrent there's no uh, dirty updates there because it's the same map that is listening 
uh, so what i need is a pub sub mechanism actually so the service yes, you, you are using you are using uh, yeah. broadcaster as your pub sub yeah, which is yeah. technically okay but ideally when you broadcast uh, mm-hmm. anyone uh, that can be listened by anyone as well yeah, uh, yeah. so you have to oh, yeah, that that's, that's, that's where well. you that, that's a problem prob- problem i think that is the only only caveat but rather if you if you think it's a service and in, uh, within a, if you want to update a variable or something and it has a thread that simply picks it from there that would be a much simpler solution now i'm completely Let lost me, here uh, because also publish <laughs> no no i was going to say i'm completely okay. lost because i'm at the uh, operating system level if all i can do is if i had access to the op- kernel i would set the file descriptor and check what's underneath the broadcast is it like a socket or what and if it's a socket is it like a ipc socket or a what but here i'm completely lost no no here what he's doing is in the application generally you have a broadcaster to listen to a track within the application you broadcast it within the application you listen to that i'm saying that you don't have to do that because anything that you broadcast any uh, with the right permission people as in apps can listen to it he is trying to do a, a broadcast within the same map instead of what simple event listener would do that hmm. that that's where the complication let me also post some of the code segments to so uh, in your service what are you trying to do uh, sorry in a lack of name abc <laughs> yeah